0: Welcome to News in Context, I'm Gina Valeria. This is Civity Week on News in Context. Civity is an organization working to engage people across community and societal differences, often differences involving power structures that can leave one group feeling left out or marginalized. Civity is also a concept, a culture of deliberately engaging in relationships of respect and empathy with those who are different. Once a month on News in Context, we focus on a civity-based topic. Today, it's the human library. The human library is basically humans as books. These human books can then be, quote, checked out for 20 minutes at a time. And then the reader can, quote, read the human book. Reading is actually talking, engaging, sharing stories, listening, and learning about someone who's different from you in some way. Perspective, heritage, place, or any other difference that affects how we relate to each other in society. Humans who serve as books are often those who are least understood in society. And the goal of the Human Library is to encourage people to talk to others they might not otherwise meet. The Human Library started in Copenhagen, Denmark in 2000 as a way to help reduce prejudice. It's now done all over the world, including this Saturday, March 7th at the Redwood City Library in the San Francisco Bay Area. Books this weekend will feature women in honor of Women's History Month. And they'll include a firefighter, a human trafficking advocate, police chief, transgender, Iranian American, former mayor, pastor, and others. This is the third human library at the Redwood City Library. And earlier this year, the Portola Valley Library also had one. Readers who checked out books at these past events told Civity the experience was
1: worthwhile and meaningful. It was an opportunity to open up about perspectives and get a a different kind of experience. For me, a lot of times, what I think I know about things is only the tip of the iceberg. So it was an opportunity to to dig deeper, to hear from someone else. um, Information that I don't necessarily have, but that they have through their experience. Reader Lee Harrison said he appreciates what the books give readers. That book, in other words, that person, has a lot to offer. That's part of the value of the human library is we only know what we think we know. And we don't learn anything different until we hear it in someone else's voice from their perspective.
0: Different perspectives, says Lee, help us understand each other. And that can be so important to supporting each other and moving forward together.
1: I've learned so much more from people than I ever did from textbooks. And what I learned from textbooks, it takes people to put that into context for me. Um, as a brief example, I never understood suicide. So just never could connect how someone could even fathom considering that until I heard it from someone else in their own voice. And then I could understand how a person might come to that place and that conclusion and that decision. And what that helped me to do was to be even more able to listen to someone else rather than be judgmental about it and to even support someone else. Having a different idea and understanding about what that might mean and how that other person might truly feel.
0: Another reader who went to the Portola Valley Human Library last month with her family said she was so glad they made it.
2: It was very meaningful I'm very appreciative of the environment and the space. We had stuff going on this morning that we really made a point of like, oh, we gotta get here and check it out, and then felt like, man, I wish we got here earlier. It was really meaningful.
0: Both she and her husband appreciated what the experience gave to their kids.
3: These two were engaged, even when they weren't directly questioning the book. They were present and listening and absorbing. We want them to know that the world is more diverse and challenging and unique than we get exposed to in our day-to-day lives. There are so many other paths and lives that are just as relevant and maybe very close by that we just aren't aware of because of our day-to-day trappings.
0: Mark Robichek came with his wife, and in the human library, he sees a potential solution to the challenges we face in our society.
3: This is an idea whose time has come, because communication is at an all-time low in this country. And being exposed to and being able to talk to people with different views from yourself is a wonderful concept.
0: Mark and his wife talked to many different books.
3: We saw a conservative, uh, then we saw a former mayor, and we ended up with a refugee. I mean, how often in one hour do you get to see three people like that that you would probably never see in, quote, real life? other than an event like this.
0: Even though the books they checked out seemed very different from them, they discovered commonality.
3: So we definitely had some common ground on which to base our conversation. So it wasn't two people from completely opposite you know, perspectives. There was overlap. And I think the more you talk, the more overlap you see. The more you realize there are more similarities than differences. An event like this will lead to more communication and better communication between people from different walks of life.
0: Caroline Nance also discovered commonality in connection with her book. It turned out we had a lot more in common than I thought. So it was a conversation that I didn't want to end, actually. It was really fun. With so many people focused on social and digital media, Caroline welcomed the opportunity to connect face to face and wanted to see more people doing it. We're all so stuck on our phones and on our computers and siloed in our little groups. And it's great to actually talk to people and and share ideas. Everyone's having their own struggles and troubles and if we all learn from each other that that's a normal part of everyday life, that we're all persisting through challenges and issues that a lot of us are more similar than different. Nora Tan said interactions like this help us understand
2: each other. You don't know what someone has gone through and to always try to reserve judgment and to always." see each interaction as as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to try to not put yourself first when you're having
0: these conversations. Nora said she appreciated what the human books give her and other attendees.
2: It's not always easy to find people who are so open and willing to talk about themselves and to say here I am and you can ask me any question and I will try my best to answer and, and respond. And I think this is so important because we are all leading our lives and we may intersect or not, but a chance like this to come together and to meet people that you would maybe have never met otherwise.
0: A mom and daughter who went to last year's Human Library in Redwood City said they were grateful for what the books gave.
4: My mom signed me up for the Human Library. I didn't know what it was when I first walked into the door but um, I'm very pleased with what went on.
5: We met a recovered addict and her son today, and this is a perfect example of how there's really no social setting that I can think of where we could sit down, casually meet somebody, and that would be a topic that would come up let alone have an authentic you know conversation about the topic they were so open and so generous with with their story if i had been born in a different place if i had been born to different parents if i had been born under different circumstances anybody in that room could have been me could have been my daughter that just kind of drove it home too that look this is closer than you thought it was
4: the biggest one that stuck to me though was the blind person they were very inspiring because they had many job interviews and they had a great resume but when they came to the interview face to face with the company they the company would see their cane and they would just send them away. They said sorry we found someone more fit for the job and that's just very disappointing to me and I thought that I lived in a society where we saw past those things because, at least I'm taught to do that. I thought everyone else was taught to do that, but it taught me that
0: that wasn't the case. The daughter said the human library experience helped her become more open-minded and less afraid of people who may be different.
4: Whenever I saw someone different, I would almost be afraid to approach them because I was afraid that I was gonna say something wrong or they were going to lash out because of their situation. But after talking to many of the books, it taught me to approach people more open-mindedly, and everyone has something that they're dealing with.
0: Her mom said this is something people already do in other ways, but we need to challenge ourselves to do it with
5: each other. Everyone really should experience this if only to just understand a, a different perspective. We already do this in our everyday lives. We, we're here in a, in a library. All these books on a shelf is here to teach us something that we wouldn't have otherwise had access to. We go to the movies because we wanna be immersed in a, an experience that we wouldn't otherwise have the chance to, to go through. This is authentic though. It's not a movie, it's real life, it's somebody's life. And it's interactive. You know, it's not just a book. So that's why it's valuable. Organizers Derek Wolfgram and Jenny Barnes from the
0: Redwood City Public Library spoke to me last year about the Human Library and why they do it. Derek is library director and Jenny is library services supervisor. Thank you both so much for being
6: here with me today. Thanks for having us, Gina. We're excited about it. Tell us a little bit more about why you decided to do this was just so excited by people getting the opportunity to interact in a different way. We've done community conversations and world cafes and you know, opportunities for people to share with each other, but uh, the power of the one-on-one conversation and the opportunity for people to um, just really sit down and engage and have the chance to ask questions of someone that comes from a different world than they do, uh, we thought would be really profound.
0: Why? Do you think you as a public library have a role to play here as far as bringing people together and helping people uh, connect and converse across difference?
6: Starting in the fall of 2016, we did a series of community conversations with, um, was about 16 conversations with over 200 residents of Redwood City and North Fair Oaks, which is another nearby community that we serve. We asked them not what sort of library that they wanted to have, but what sort of community that they wanted to live in. Because um, I've had some past experiences with community conversations about libraries where you ask people what they'd like to see and what they they would like to see is, what they already know about the library. I wish you had more eBooks. I wish you had more story times. I wish you had more of the, whatever the niche thing is that the library does that people really care about. And so we wanted to broaden that figure out what kind of community people wanted to have, and then use the library staff's expertise on the backside to figure out what are the things that we can do to help facilitate that kind of community. And so when we had that conversation, we ended up hearing five themes about what people wanted Redwood City to be about. And um, those five themes were inclusion, equity, awareness, safety, and education and so a lot of the programs and activities that we've been doing have been about those kind of equity diversity and inclusion themes we really um, heard that that's what people who live here would like to see more of and so we're trying to find a way to make that happen
0: and i love that you guys even rethought and reframed the question because it's true if you ask me what i want out of my library i want more stuff to read but when you think about the library as such a pivotal and central part of any community in the U.S., that's just a, a brilliant way of doing this. And so it led to many, uh, it sounds like, uh, endeavors to connect people and get them to talk with each other. And, and so I want to delve back now into the the human library some more. Now, this, this concept out of Copenhagen, framing humans as, quote, books, which then people can check out. So talk to me a little bit about how the process works sort of on the ground when people are actually in the library dealing with each other.
2: We find our books uh, within the community. And on the day of the event, they are paired with readers who want to read them. On the day of the event, um, they had 20 minutes together, the book and the reader, to have a conversation. There were no guidelines. Um, They were able to have whatever kind of conversation they wanted to have. So it was very individual to that particular conversation. One of the things that the book said afterwards to us is, it's amazing how different each conversation was.
0: Now, your books are putting themselves in a potentially vulnerable position. How did you mitigate or was there any mitigation of that potential? And then I'm wondering, did anything come up that was concerning?
6: One of the things that we did in advance uh, was actually work with uh, Malka and Reba from Civity. We co-developed some training for the books to come to where they had an opportunity to practice sharing their story, to practice inviting questions and making it more of a conversation rather than setting people up to where they're kind of doing a monologue. Um, And then we also walked through what are some of the things that could Go wrong, and how would you handle those? You know, all of the books had permission if the conversation went off the rails in some way to end the conversation because we didn't want to have people, you know, especially people who were coming to share their traumatic experiences, to have them re traumatized by something bad that happens while they're in the process of sharing that story made sure that we had folks from the library and from civity in the room on day of, you know, not really listening to the conversations, but just being observers in the room so that uh, if something looked like it was not going well, that we would have the opportunity to go and check in with the books and make sure that they were okay. There was one conversation in our first iteration of the human library, and actually the the book handled it gracefully and moved on and didn't actually share anything with us about it until afterwards. One of the books in the first conversation that we had was a conservative because actually in the Bay Area, a conservative is a kind of person that people don't rub elbows with on an everyday basis. You know, it's a pretty, this is true. <laughs> it's a pretty liberal area. It happened that the woman that joined us um, in the role of conservative that was interested in participating um, was a black woman conservative. So definitely uh, she had a unique story to tell. Her conservatism was very much based on her family business and the impacts of how she perceived different policy matters on affecting her family's financial well-being. She was not into some of the social issues that are really divisive in terms of the way that different groups of people are treated. She was much more, I would say, a moderate in in those realms. It was really an economic choice for her. Um, But she did actually have one conversation where Uh, over the course of the conversation, one of the readers called her a Nazi. Wow. Yeah. And as I said, she was able to reframe the conversation, you know, talk about her reasons for being a conservative and what mattered to her and her values and how she ended up there. And she really almost kind of just didn't engage with that the conversation going in that direction. And it it worked out well that she was able, she was you know, comfortable shutting that down on her own and just telling us about it afterwards.
0: That's a powerful lesson for all of us because when that energy comes into the room, it's someone bringing it and taking that on. I mean, it would have been horrible to hear that she might have taken that on and, and, and maybe she was hurt by it, but she was able to handle it and, and move forward and move through it. Do you know whether or not she was able to connect at all with this person who called her that or was this a conversation that just kind of didn't go anywhere?
6: You know I think that they did have the opportunity for her to to share you know how she came to that position and what conservatism meant to her and I don't I don't know that she was heard that well by the reader in that case. And I don't know what the reader's kind of preconception coming into the conversation was, um, whether that person was coming in planning to pick a fight or whether it was something that was said that that triggered the reader. Every conversation is not going to result in, you know, obviously we don't expect anybody to change their minds per se as the result of having a conversation, but um, hopefully the the reader at least got a little more enlightened about somebody else's viewpoint.
0: Maybe the reader will never entertain that, or maybe, as with all good books, something comes to us down the line in our lives, and we uh, remember that this book had something in it that's helpful to us, maybe not then, but later. But you're right, not every conversation is going to go well, but it still can be a worthwhile thing to do. We're talking with Derek Wolfgram and Jenny Barnes from the Redwood City Public Library about the Human Library, which takes place this Saturday, March 7th, from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Redwood City Public Library. Derek is library director and Jenny is library services supervisor. What were some of the most popular or uh, resonant books that visitors to the library engaged with?
2: The books that we invited back for the second Human Library were a Muslim book, a police officer, a recovered addict and her son, reformed gang member. He was new, actually. He was someone that uh, was requested in the first human Library and our transgender book. They all expressed after the first human library that they would like to come back. And um, they were requested again, so we we invited them for the Second Human Library.
0: Were there any stories from any of those books that resonated with you or moved you or that you thought were particularly notable that you'd like to share?
2: Um, The police officer for the Second Human Library said that this particular one was quite exhausting for her because she got a lot of intense, direct questions about policing. Um, in particular, she had two Black women come who started the conversation by saying, Black Lives Matter, go. It was immediate that they wanted to her to address something that was very personal to them, that was very important to them, and that was contentious. So she said, the police officer said afterward, that it was a very intense day for her, but also that it was really eye-opening because it gave her the opportunity to speak directly with a Black Lives Matter audience um, and address those issues. And it, it helped her because it's something that she needs to be able to talk about.
0: Did this police officer feel that they were able to find a pathway through a conversation? Um, and, and, I, and I'm wondering if you were able to speak with the readers if, if they had any uh, insights as well.
2: One of the readers said, that she was encouraged to have more conversations to understand and solve certain issues, as well as maybe have her organization host an event in another city similar to the Human Library.
0: Was the officer still glad that she had done this? Was she still feeling like this was a worthwhile experience, though it was exhausting? Or is that something where she's like, wow, I got to let someone else do this next time?
6: No, I think that ultimately, while she was exhausted by it, she was also sort of invigorated by it. Redwood City's police department is very community policing oriented and is about building relationships and building community connections. And so This is what she does in her job on a daily basis. And it was just a different context for getting to do it And ultimately probably a a safer, happier environment than most of the places she gets to have these conversations as a police officer. (laughs) She would definitely be back next time if we ask her to do that, which I think we would.
0: Clearly, the Human Library, I mean, it sounds like it was profound for the books, for the readers, but also for the two of you. Just in talking to you, it feels as if you've really internalized and embraced the library's mission of community and inclusion and engagement. And and I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about how the Human Library and those experiences affected you or impacted you, if at all. And Jenny, I'm wondering if we could start with you.
2: Um, When I first started planning the human library, I was I was actually a little not reticent, but uh, nervous to reach out and ask people to basically put their stigmatized thing about them on the table. It was kind of an awkward ask, like like you're Muslim, I want you to come and I want you to put that on the table and talk to strangers about it. You're transgender, uh, want you to talk to strangers about that. Asking that felt like a lot for me. Um, But once I started to have the conversations and especially after we had the first human library, I I am now an advocate (laughs) and uh, a champion of this process. It's, it's quite amazing what has happened to me. It's transformed me into believing that it's really important for people to connect and to hear stories that they wouldn't normally hear, to be able to ask questions in a frank and direct way is really powerful.
0: I think in mainstream U.S. society and maybe elsewhere, we tend to go around thinking there are things we shouldn't talk about. And that's why I think, at least for me, the idea of civity is so important because we think maybe that we already know or that it's not important or it's not necessary. But then, as you say, when you actually do it, it's profound and and impactful and and deeply moving and, and enlightening. And that there are people who are willing to do it. There are people who already know it's important and say, sure, I will put myself out there because I feel that this is important to the health of our community and our ability to work with each other. And-
2: yeah. And, you know, it's not just the the book that's putting themselves out there. The readers are as well. They I had someone at the last Human Library say to me, I don't usually talk to strangers. This was hard for me, but I'm so glad I did it.
6: And I think that person talked to three different books over the course of the day. She was so jazzed by it that she decided that she needed to like continue and talk to more.
2: Yeah, so it seemed, I, I'm, I'm speaking for her, she's not here, but it seemed to me that she also went through a transformation and realized that it's okay to ask questions and to talk to strangers and build connections. She seemed to have a, a really profound experience.
0: Oh, I really love that. You know, it it reminds me of, I did some research a couple of years ago. I connected my students across difference uh, to have a conversation with another student who was somehow different from them. And one of my students said not just that she felt safe talking to this person and she didn't expect it. She said it, it taught her that maybe other people that she doesn't know or that might be different maybe aren't as different as she thinks and it makes the world less scary. Isn't that neat? That was really profound for me. And it sounds as if maybe some of the readers had a little bit of that experience as well.
6: That's one of the things I love about the human library program is there, there's this, the nature of the structure, there's this sort of forced distillation of a human being into a title, you know, that we have a Muslim book, and we have a transgender book, and we have a former gang member book, um, and we have a, a dreamer book. But Each of those people are individual human beings with a wide range of experiences and stories. And, you know, we could do a a human library program with, you know, 12 different recovered addicts as the books, and each of them would have a different story to tell, and a different experience, and different points of commonality with the readers. The way that it combat stereotypes is really interesting that you know we start with simplifying a person down to a book title and then the person connects the reader connects with the book to have a conversation with that person about that thing and what they end up having is a real human conversation between two people instead of between a library customer and a combat veteran, you know, that they're just two people talking.
0: I actually love the irony of that as well, is distilling someone down to their stereotype and then that's how we learn that they're human. You know, I, I think that's also a beautiful lesson.
6: We've built these incredible relationships with all of these incredible humans from our community, even as we're not part of the conversations, um, Jenny and I have talked about this. They're they're emotionally exhausting days just to be facilitating this happening, um, just witnessing the you know the depth of interaction and the the power of conversation that that these people are having. I was really especially moved uh, as we were doing our training with Civity for the second um, human library program. Um, The reformed gang member, who is somebody that our police department, gang services unit, had put us in touch with, his experiences as a gang member uh, were still pretty fresh and pretty raw for him. The opportunity to share his story with other people was a huge part of his own personal recovery. And I mean, he was just uh, genuinely just charming, wonderful, very self-effacing human being whose, whose confidence had obviously been kind of battered by his experience being in a gang and who was on the road to kind of finding his voice again and was really looking forward to this.
0: I want to thank Derek Wolfgram and Jenny Barnes from the Redwood City Public Library for being here with us today. You have been listening to News in Context. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. Interviews with Human Library readers were recorded by Reba Shu of Civity. In addition to hearing News in Context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Twitter at newsincontextsf, and you can find links to all of that at newsincontext.net.
5: I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.